Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader podcast. And it's a beautiful spring day here in Queens, New York. And uh, I'm in my third floor office, surrounded by lots of books, with my little Yeti microphone and uh, computer, and just so glad to be with you today. So today I want to talk to you about one of the largest, most important radical shifts you can make as a leader, and that is the radical shift of leading from within. That's our title for today. In other words, leading from the inside out, not the outside in as a life. But Before I get started, let me invite you uh, to something uh, I'm offering, and we're offering uh, this June in a few weeks. It's called the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship Master Class. It launches June 8th. It's a very unique space to dive deeply into the core biblical theology uh, to, that we, we need to move from shallow to deeply transformational discipleship. It's it's the why underneath everything we do here at EHD. And so I'll actually uh, go through the chapter themes of the EH Discipleship book, things like, you know, follow the crucified, not the Americanized Jesus, be before you do, receive God's gifts of limits, and going back to go forward. But it, I'm also going to combine it with some of the latter chapters of the Emotionally Healthy Leader book about how it intersects with planning, decision-making, et cetera, et cetera. It's a four-week intensive class. We'll meet for two hours uh, each week. It's going to include teaching, then questions and answers. And really, my favorite part of it is receiving case studies from participants uh, and then applying the theology in different contexts around the world. Uh, as one pastor said to me, I didn't realize the all-encompassing nature uh, of everything you're talking about of EH discipleship until we got into case studies. And uh, as he said, it changed everything for him. So uh, we invite you to go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash masterclass and uh, check it out, some of the details there. There's really nothing like it in EH discipleship ecosystem, and you can reserve a spot there by registering. Again, it's emotionallyhealthy.org slash master class. And if you're unable actually to make it at the Eastern Standard Time that we're doing it, you'll actually get the videos and you can watch it on your own time uh, as well. So, okay, that being said, let's move to our topic, the radical shift of leading from within. In my early years uh, as a Christ follower and leader, I spent a lot of time in scripture a lot of time in quiet time and worship and prayer, uh, times alone with God, but it was a lot of anxiety. In fact, when I would actually go away for a whole day to be alone with God, uh, I was taking notes and thinking of new ideas most of that day because I was still leading from the outside in. Uh, when I, what do I mean by that, by the outside in? It means I was much more concerned, like many of us or most of us, I'm externally managing uh, what I was building, the uh, the church, the ministry, the people moving things around, creative ways to have a greater impact. Again, I would pray, but I was always concerned across the board. I just want to maximize impact and growth for Christ. But I was busy and I was overloaded. I was actually quite anxious. I didn't have enough time to do everything that I felt needed to be done. Uh, I hear this remark often from leaders, I have just too much to do. And so I wasn't very reflective or curious um, in fact, like many people say to me, what's the next book I should read or conference or seminar I should attend or perhaps a prophetic or uh, anointed ministry I should check out so I could get some of that power. It's not bad, those things. It's just that that was always the first thing I would go to or think about. But I was about removing, uh, again, ministry from the external in is 
I was about get rid of obstacles and interruptions. Uh, let's overcome our limits and let's power through here uh, to get it done. That's leadership. Uh, and that really was my first 17 years as a leader, whether it was parachurch or pastoring a church. And yet I was preaching. Yes, God changed me from the inside out. I just didn't understand what actually it meant. I didn't understand the radicalness of that kind of a shift. Now, emotionally healthy discipleship uh, is when I actually got started on it. It's been an unfolding journey because there are levels of grasping this shift of leading from within. Uh, and so even today, I'm still uh, leaning into it. I'm learning, I'm growing, I'm deepening in it. If you remember, I've uh, Benjamin Bloom's taxonomy of how we learn new things. Uh, it's, it's, he's a great educational psychologist over the last 60 plus years whose work has dominated education around the world. And he talks about there, there, there's phases of learning something. We become aware of it, phase one. We ponder it, phase two. We value it, phase three. But it's not until we actually change our lifestyle that we move to phase four, which is to re, we re-prioritize prioritize our life around that new value. And then finally, we, the ultimate is we own it. It's actually in our being. It informs everything we do. Well, the same thing, levels of understanding what it means to lead from within. It is a process um, for us to really get it and deeply change all of our life. There's just so much here to this topic that I'm going to try to divide my remarks around three large buckets. I'll begin by uh, this, our most important work, uh, which is to lead from the inside out. Second is our, our greatest enemy uh, in that task, which is noise and clutter. And then I want to talk to you about one of our greatest uh, discernment tasks uh, of listening to God as we leave from the inside out is really gr- uh, grasping the raw material of our environment and the interaction of that with our inside journey with Jesus. So uh, let's just begin. Our most important work uh, is to lead from the inside out. And I want to uh, launch this by talking about Jesus and his modeling for us, because there are demonic temptations that come to every leader at different levels and at different phases and over the decades of our lives. And it's profound and multi-layered. But there is a demonic power uh, that exists. Uh, he's often called Satan, or which means tempter in Greek or Hebrew, a seducer. He splits relationships between us and God. And what's interesting is we look at the temptations of Jesus in the wilderness, which are just the, the, the classic temptations that come to us over and over again in different forms throughout our life. We see uh, Satan trying to pull Jesus into an external first journey, not leading from the inside out. And so the first temptation, he comes to him and says to Jesus, if you're the son of God, you know, tell these stones to become bread. Uh, basically make something happen. He's trying to get Jesus to do something. Uh, and Satan's basically saying, listen, you, you don't, you're hungry. Uh, you, the world's not getting saved. Uh, you better look at your life and take charge because up to now you've done nothing. Your town you come from is obscure and tiny. Uh, you're unrecognized by everybody. You know, how can you be the son of God with all these problems? Uh, basically, you stink. Look at all the other ministries going on out there. But but Jesus uh, rejects that, waits for the Father, and the rocks remain. He doesn't turn these rocks, stones to bread. He, the rocks remain rocks, and he, and he trusts in the Father uh, who loves him. You are my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. From the inside out, he, the Father's love is in him, and he's got nothing to prove to anybody. And so uh, he trusts God, uh, and uh, 
you know, the, the Father's going to get me out of this tough situation. And we learn from Jesus the importance, of course, of just even listening and continually feeding on the Word of God, on Scripture. As he says, people do not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds or is flowing or from the mouth of God. And, and Scripture was so in him, again, from the inside, it helped him understand the low unsensational road that he was to walk, that what's valued in people's eyes is detestable, highly detestable in God's sight, whether it's sensationalism or popularity or relevance or worldly power or positioning. Uh, for Jesus, scripture, as he quotes Deuteronomy, is more important than physical food. And he's uh, talking about scripture, not just to prepare a sermon, uh, but steeped deeply in our being from the inside out, that we continually live by every word uh, flowing, pouring out of the mouth of God, alive, you know, from Scripture. But then the second temptation is very similar to the first. It's trying to pull Jesus out of leading from the inside out to lead from the outside in. And he leads Jesus to the highest point of the temple and, uh, and basically says, jump down, uh, you know, and, and everyone's going to believe in you. You'll be popular. Uh, and uh, you won't even stub your toe. Because he quotes a Bible verse to Jesus from Psalm 91. It's interesting, the devil leads Jesus higher, the spirit leads Jesus down from the top of the mountain, you know, to the temptations, the suffering, the cross. The way the spiritual life is always inward and downward. Uh, and Jesus answers him, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Uh, and he quotes scripture. And the devil, it's funny because the devil is in church, uh, in the temple, he's in scripture, in, in, in twisting it. Um, but the, the picture here is of trying to pull Jesus out to do more than he's supposed to be doing, uh, to skip limits, to skip hunger and death and the way down. And he tries to pull us out of that slow work. And, and uh, Jesus lives within his limitations. He doesn't push his agenda or timetable. Uh, many of us are living lives that are, we have way too much to do in too little time uh, versus I just got a few gifts and talents and a limited amount of time on earth. Uh, that they're all very small in light of the big thing God's doing in the world, but they're important to God. And, uh, you know, if I were giving counsel to Jesus and that second temptation, I'd say, you know, Jesus, uh, if you jump down from this temple, everybody's going to believe in you. It's going to be tremendous for the large scope of the ministry. Uh, and there's a great lesson here that sometimes our growth may be a failure because it happened prematurely or maybe outside of God's plan. So I've got to always be asking myself as I'm listening, is this God's opportunity? or not? Is this for me or is this for somebody else? Uh, is this from God or actually Satan? And uh, I know that in my own life, uh, I often crossed the line because I wasn't leading from within that I crossed the line and ended up, quote, getting some short-term success, uh, but it wasn't God's. But a third temptation is even, in some ways, is, is the most seductive to pull us from leading from within uh, and get us to leave from the external out. And that's when Satan takes Jesus and shows him all the glories of the world, Rome and Athens and Egypt and Jerusalem. And he says, it can all be yours now. Externally, you can have it all. And uh, Jesus says, you know, that's the very thing Jesus wanted was the salvation of the world. That's why he came. But he says to, you know, get away from me, Satan, for it's written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the great temptation here is to make our work God and uh, it's the most subtle of all the three temptations. And it's very difficult for us to distinguish sometimes, especially if we're not reflective, um, that we get mixed up between our identity and who we are in the inside out from our work for God. And uh, they get all mixed up. Our identity gets fused with the work. I like as one commentator 
uh, writes, the moment we do anything, abs- the moment we do absolutely anything to keep our work from failing, we have made our work God. And perhaps without realizing it, we have worshipped Satan. Jesus didn't do anything speedy or hurried or spectacular. And actually, this theme of his ministry was leading from the inside out. I mean, we see this inward-outward movement throughout his whole three-year ministry. And so we see that in, for example, Mark 1, where he has a very full day. And then at daybreak, the next day, he goes to a solitary place, an inward journey, uh, so that when people come to him and pressure him to start to stay in Capernaum, he says, no, I've got to go to some other cities also. And then in Luke 5, read about you know, the news about him spreading all the more. And people are coming from everywhere to be healed. But it says Jesus often withdrew to solitary or lonely places and prayed. Again, he going into that inward journey, creating space for that. And then uh, even when he chooses the 12 disciples, he spends the whole night alone in prayer. Um, why? To get centered. The inward journey out of which the outer journey flows, even before he chooses the 12 Jesus had an inner journey. Uh, he goes to the desert. He tends to silence. He separates himself uh, from people and even food. He empties himself of all temptation. And then he emerges and his work goes on. His, he, he leads from within. His soul, his insides, and his outside is con- are congruent. He's rooted. He's anchored. He's grounded. He's present. He's free of everybody's projections of him. So in EH spirituality and EH relationships, um, we're, we're, we're seeking to give you the tools <clears throat> to lead from the inside. And so you're introduced to all these different things like going back to go forward and being before you do and enlarging your soul through grief and loss and uh, learning to feel. And so you can discern consolations and desolations and exploring the iceberg and uh, climbing a ladder of integrity, etc. Uh, so those are all excellent, and really the whole course is meant to get you on a movement to lead from within. But it applies in even things as simple as mentoring people. And I, um, in the last couple of months, I just thought of two folks uh, that I've been involved with. And uh, and I remember after conversations being uh, in, inside, as I had space, bothered and concerned about certain things that they had said or were doing. So it wasn't just onboarding them and helping them be better external leaders. Uh, as I pondered and prayed and had space and time to be sent to the Holy Spirit, uh, there was a there was a follow-up stuff I needed to be involved in with each of them so they could grow and mature in as leaders. But it was leading from within and taking the space and the time to reflect and ponder and pray that all this stuff came out about my next steps and their own development. I love the Desert Fathers uh, uh, used to say that they, they made the human heart their text. It wasn't just scripture that was the text. It was people. And they would record and distill and systematize their learning about the human heart. Well, that comes from uh, a focus on listening to God, the Holy Spirit, from the inside of us as we're with people. So you know you're not leading from within when you've got too much to do in too little time, when when I know when I'm always rushing, when we're firing off quick opinions and judgments and we're fearful about the future, when we're overly concerned with what people think, when we're defensive and easily offended, when talking too much. But I think one of the greatest uh, uh, symptoms or indications that uh, you're not leading from within is, is you're not paying attention to your body. Uh, 
we often say your body's a major profit, not a minor profit. In other words, the stress, the anxiety, sometimes the tightness of our body. Um, God, God's speaking through that. God's coming to us through it of saying something's off here and it needs attention. Um, and we, by the Holy Spirit, are to, are to pay attention and create space so that God's Spirit can move through us and out to the world. Let me move on here. It's not just our most important work is to lead from the inside out, but it's also <clears throat> our greatest enemy we've got to be aware of is noise and clutter. Now, the work, there's a work before the work that we do. There's a, the, the work, the exterior work that we do, there's a work before that, which is the inner work, the inside of our lives, the interior. You know, my history is always saying yes to too many things. Is my, my history is not being clear about who I am and who I'm not. It, my history is not leading out of my marriage. It's not set, sitting with my calendar and recognizing, oh, what are the steps, what's involved in each one of these commitments I've made? <clears throat> do I actually have the time to to do this? And once I have to write down thoughtfully all the steps, I realize, oh, this is cluttering my life. <clears throat> and so I don't, I'm not going to have space to actually be present with what's happening and listen to God and myself on the in, in the journey. It's an ancient story of uh, the woodcarver, called the woodcarver, <clears throat> about a master carver. Uh, it's by Cheng Zhu. And uh, the story goes like this. He, this master carver is asked by the king of the land or the prince of the land to make a bell stand uh, with wood. Uh, the implication is that if he doesn't get it right, he's going to die. I mean, uh, this is like God asking him to do something and the stakes are really high. And so the story goes that that uh, he, he says this, he goes, I, I fasted in order to set my heart at rest. After three days fasting, I had forgotten gain and success. Uh, after five days, I had forgotten praise or criticism. After seven days, I had forgotten my body with all of its limbs. And by this time, all thought of your highness, that is the king, and of the court had faded away. All that might distract me from the work had vanished. I was collected in the single thought of the bell stand. And uh, he actually creates something that is so amazing, this, this uh, bell stand, that people say, this must be the work of the gods. So, so you see, there's a work he had to do before the work. It's much like Jesus. Jesus did the work of his inner life before the external life, even launching his ministry, and then along the way in his ministry. The question is, what do you, and what do I, need to do to guard my spirit. I actually like these three phrases in this poem. What do I need to guard my spirit from? What, what pollutes my spirit? That What's noise and clutter? And um, <clears throat> it may be something like, it may be social media. It may be, or at least excessive social, social media. It may be particular shows that you, you watch. It may be particular people that suck you down. What do you need to fast from? Now, he fasts for, you know, five days, three days. And our fasting may not be actual physical food. It may be, but it's often, it can be things like, it could be fasting from social media. It could be fasting from too many commitments, uh, overscheduling. And then what does it mean to forget praise and criticism of, of those in authority over us or being afraid of what other, or being so concerned about what other people think, getting free from all that. That's part of the inner journey um, is getting free from others so we can be about God and what's he inviting us to do. Uh, again, our greatest enemy is noise and clutter. And so I, I need daily, again, silence and solitude, I, um, daily offices we talk at. I need weekly Sabbaths 
uh, minimally to get started. I need quarterly retreats, probably a day alone with God, maybe every month or every quarter, uh, maybe a couple of days a quarter. Uh, I used to think, how could I, how do I ever live without that? I need sabbaticals every you know, seven, eight years to get perspective, to get away for three, four months perhaps. But the key is I'm monitoring daily uh, the noise and clutter coming at me. Uh, when there's too many, I'm, I'm a creative guy. I've got ideas out of the gazoo, you know, and, and I just know this when I'm rushing in particular, I know I'm bypassing something. Always remember that if you're rushing, there's usually an anxious, there's some anxiety in that uh, because you're trying to, you're bypassing something, but God's not in a rush that we know. Uh, and the wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways. But as Proverbs says, haste is always problematic. Well, listen, just to even get started, I mean, I, I let me encourage you. We just came out with a, a new ebook, emotionallyhealthy.org slash Sabbath. It's on Sabbath. And if you're not even, if you're not quite Sabbathing yet, getting that started a 24-hour period each week, uh, please, it's, it's a short free download, uh, short read to get you started on Sabbath delight. That's slowing down, reducing noise and clutter. Just go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash Sabbath. But unless we deal with the noise and clutter coming to us from so many directions, um, we'll only be partially leading from the inside out. But there's a third thrust here. So, so yes, we need to we need to remember our most important work is the is the inner work before the outer work. It's leading from the inside out. Our greatest enemy is noise and clutter that I've got to constantly be monitoring. But then one of our greatest discernment tasks is to listen to God in the midst of the raw material of our context. Let me say it one more time. The greatest, one of the greatest tasks of discernment is, is listening to God in the raw material of our context. Now, when I say context, I'm referring to where you are, your geographical place, and also the people that God's placed around you in your ministry, in your church, in your community, in your nonprofit, in your workplace. Maybe it's a table that you're leading in the EH discipleship course. Maybe it's your team, your family. But God's put the raw material around you uh, for a purpose. They're gifts. Uh, if you're familiar with the book of Jonah, and uh, uh, Jonah was sent by God to go to Tarshish, I mean, I'm sorry, he was sent by God to go to Nineveh, uh, but he didn't like the Ninevites. So he went the opposite direction and went to Tarshish. And uh, so often we don't want the raw material of Nineveh, but everybody's a Ninevite, which is a sinner. Uh, and, uh, and God sends us there. Just like God sent Jesus to northern Galilee to be with these 12 disciples. Um, I mean, and it's out of that raw material that he, uh, this ministry of Jesus emerges that's going to save the whole world. Uh, the master carver, in that story I told you earlier, he goes into a forest, but he has no anxiety because he's done his inner work, but he's content. And he, he says he sees the, the trees in their natural state. And he's able to, um, the tree kind of pops out at him, the one he's supposed to work with. And I'm referring to um, what, what looking at the people that God's put in us, the place he's put us in, and asking the question, how do, what does God want to birth here and how does he want to birth it through this raw material of these folks? So I wait, I pray, I'm still before the Lord, but I, I've got to get free, again, the inner work of my own projections and unfinished business and idealizations 
and temptation to run from this. This is a very high-level interactive thing of listening to God inside of me and listening to God of what's around me. So our, our approach and our strategy flows out of a place of love from there. And so I, I recognize my own limits and nature, and, um, but I know there's a work before the work. And FYI, just even as I'm uh, doing some writing and very aware of um, the context of me in which I'm writing, as well as the uh, nature of the topic. So listen, I carried negative messages that caused a lot of di- deep distrust in leading from within. I mean, I, my, I had this message that my family of origin was no good, so I was so broken, and that I had this, you know, imbalanced theology that in me dwells no good thing, not, you can't trust anything. Uh, the heart is deceitfully wicked, so I can't lead from within because my within is so corrupt. It was kind of a, an extreme, I'll call it extreme, view of depravity that that omits in Genesis chapter 1 that we're made in the image of God. <clears throat> and then I just saw it as selfish to lead from within. It's such a joyful place, to, joyful way to, to lead and live. So I spent my early years as a Christian trying to be somebody I wasn't, all these things I should do, versus when I began to listen to God from inside of me. Because the whole point of Jesus dying for our sins and rising from the dead was that the God, the Holy Spirit, could come live inside of us. He's John 14, he makes his home in us. The whole point of Pentecost is God poured out his spirit to be inside of us. Uh, I, wore, I wore other people's faces for years because I was afraid of being left behind. Whether I was in school or you know, in leadership, I was struggled with being a loser. I got myself in a lot of trouble doing things I, that God never asked me to do. I got too overextended. But this journey that we call EH discipleship, it's, it did save my life. I began to discover and listen to God inside of me and to listen to me. Uh, and it, it just redirected my whole life. Uh, and I began to respect the limits and potentials of what God had given me. And I got comfortable in my own skin. And that's God's invitation to you to lead from within out into the world. Because as Parker Palmer says, when I give something I do not possess, I give a false and dangerous gift a gift that looks like love, but in reality, it's loveless. Uh, so before you intend your life, what you intend to do with it, listen to what it intends to do with you. In fact, our calling, as Palmer says so well, our leadership comes not from willfulness, empowering over things. It comes from listening to our lives and trying to understand what they're really about. So I love leadership when I do it Jesus's way and I worship him alone. Angels come and flood Jesus with peace at the end of the temptations of the wilderness. I promise you, he will do the same with you. It's possible to lead from the inside out into the world like Jesus. We've got to remember uh, that Jesus learned obedience from what he suffered uh, and that God's going to strengthen us by this process of even making the radical shift from leading externally, from leading from the inside out. But we have a high priest who can sympathize with us in our weaknesses And it may be impossible with human beings, but not with God. God will take care of you, I promise. There is peace if you'll go on this journey. And more than ever, we need men and women who can lead uh, calmly, thoughtfully, peacefully from God inside of us out into the world in our very different context that we represent here in this podcast. And remember, there's deepening levels of of really grasping this. So again, let me invite you to um, 
our Emotionally Healthy Discipleship Masterclass that launches uh, next month. And if you're listening to this later, uh, we offer it a couple of times a year. And you can dive into a course with me uh, of really applying this material in a very nuanced, specific way into your context. Let's just close here with a minute of silence before the Lord. Uh, I've so enjoyed preparing this. Uh, There was so much here, and I trust that God has some seeds for you to make a radical shift, uh, to lead from who God uniquely made you to be from within uh, versus leading from without. So let's take a minute, be still before the Lord, and uh, then we'll close our time. Let's begin. Thank you, everyone. So glad there was no airplanes flying overhead or trucks beeping outside my window. May you have a wonderful day and the Lord be with you. See you soon. Bye.